Hello, everyone. This is Manny Fishman of the Buckhalter Law Firm. And I'm here today to talk about the recently signed Economic Aid to Hard Hit Small Businesses Act that was finally signed into law by President Trump on December 27, 2020. While there are many things in that act, most of us heard about it in the news, and the key takeaway for us is that it provided for new PPP loans, Paycheck Protection Program loans, in particular, a second draw, so the ability to get a new loan under that program. So I am here today with Michael Flynn, a member of our commercial finance group, and he is also the co-chair of the firm's mortgage banking group and financial services regulatory group. Michael has so many years of experience in the areas of consumer financing and mortgage financing and served as the acting general counsel of HUD before he came to the firm. He's also a member of the board of governors of the Conference on Consumer Finance Law and really is well steeped in this area. He's the firm's expert on the PPP loans. So I asked Michael to join us to talk about how this program relates to real estate, both landlords and tenants, so that we each know how we can tell our tenants to take advantage of it and how landlords can take advantage of it. So Michael, welcome. Thank you. Uh, can you give us uh, an introduction? What did President Trump sign on December 27, 2020? Well, the, what he signed in regards to the PPP program has two parts. One was, as, as everyone uh, listening to this podcast probably knows, there was an existing PPP program, which was quite heavily utilized by small and medium-sized businesses, uh, and that... Uh, essentially was was not taking any more applications because of the funds were used up. So the act both provided more funding and set some new rules and parameters about eligibility, about what is forgiven, increase the number of expenses, the type of expenses that could be forgiven, and, and so on. The second part of that PPP aspect of this bill was that it created, as, as Manny referred to, a second draw loan. So that if you were already a recipient of a first PPP loan and you have used up or are going to be using up all your proceeds and still have a need for a second loan, you are eligible for a second loan, although the maximum loan amount is less than the original loan amounts were. But it, so in essence, what we have here is both a, um, a creation of a new second loan capacity for those who had a first loan and for those who never had a loan before, an expanded time frame in which they can apply for a first PPP loan up through March 31st of this year. In this new act, the eligibility requirements were narrowed or, or just made tighter. Um, uh, can you go over those? Sure, I'll hit just the key ones. There are, as is always the case with these kind of federal programs, there are a myriad of, of sub, sub parts, sub requirements. So I'm gonna go over and discuss the main ones in regard to eligibility. And uh, let's start with the new loans, the, the second loans. That is, um, you have to have been had had a first loan already. 
you have to, at the time you are expecting to receive disbursement of the second loan, have used all the proceeds of the first loan. And uh, you have to have 300 or fewer employees. That's very important. It's designed to help smaller, smaller businessmen and businesses that are affected by COVID economic shutdown. And you must have sustained a 25% revenue loss in any quarter of 2020 as compared to the same quarter in 2019. If your business wasn't open in 2019, there are various other ways you can measure a drop of 25% revenue in a quarter in 2020. The uh, other eligibility limitation that's quite significant is that publicly traded companies, companies that are listed on a stock exchange, are not eligible anymore. If, if the listeners will recall, there was quite an outcry at PPP initially when it was discovered that pu some publicly traded companies and some larger companies were receiving substantial loans under PPP. This, this has eliminated that. The, the eligibility things I just described for the second loans largely also apply in regard to the, if you're a new applicant for a first loan for the first time now, these same kind of requirements apply. So this is very relevant to uh, commercial real estate because landlords need to know these eligibility requirements when approaching their tenants who may be having difficulty paying rent or may have deferred rent for several months to see if we can push them or encourage them to apply for these second loans. And as Michael said, if the tenant received and applied for an initial PPP loan, they can still apply for a second loan. We'll get to the dollar limits uh, as long as they meet these eligibility requirements. And even if they have not, they still have the opportunity for applying for another loan. Um, Michael, can you now address the, uh, the total dollar amounts for these loans and also what the loans can be used for? Certainly, for these, what we've been calling the second draw loans, uh, the maximum loan amount is, is based upon a formula. You take the lesser of either $2 million or essentially uh, your average total monthly payment for payroll costs uh, during the one year period before the date the loan was made. That's a bit of a mouthful, let me walk that through. You look at the period for one year before you get this new second loan and you look at the average total monthly payments per month and you multiply that by 2.5. The, the, I think the reason being they view as a policy matter, they're wanting to fund essentially two and a half months of payroll costs. Don't forget this act originated as an effort to keep smaller businesses open so that their employees would, would could still be employed and receive a paycheck to minimize the damages caused by the COVID economic shutdown. Um, sometimes that 2.5 formula may vary uh, in a few instances. For instance, not applicable to real estate, but but if your tenant is an, accommod is an accommodations, i.e. such as a hotel or food services company uh, of a certain type under, under various association classifications, they may get a multiplier of 3.5, same for, same for certain news media outlets. So, um, but for most businesses, most tenants landlords would be interacting with, the multiplier would be 2.5 times your average monthly payroll in, uh, in the one year period before uh, you took the loan or in 2019 as you choose, or $2 million, whichever is less. For most people, it's gonna obviously be the multiplier of the, uh, 
payroll amount, but if it's a larger entity, two million may be the threshold. And uh, these issues have come up uh, even under the first PPP program. Are uh, what what can you spend the loan proceeds on? The idea of the PPP program is you are allowed to spend the money on certain what are called allowable expenses, and if you spend them on those expenses in the right ratios, you can get that full amount forgiven. In other words, you don't have to pay the lender back. The SBA will pay the lender under a guarantee. That's the dynamic that drives the program. Uh, to go into what are forgivable expenses, um, there are there are a number of them. If you'll bear with me, I will pull them up here and discuss them with you. Sure. The um, the traditional amounts under the under the act before these amendments were payroll costs, significantly for uh, for anyone involved in real estate, any payment of interest on a mortgage obligation, payment of interest only, not principal, any rent payment by a business, and any utility payments. The new law, just signed by President Trump, adds a number of other expenditures, which is very helpful for companies facing COVID problems. Operational expenses, including things like software and computing costs, uh, property damages and vandalism, supplier costs uh, that were in place uh, at the date of the loan, which are essential for business operations. So if you, if you have a steady source of supplies that you need for your business, that would be covered. Worker protection expenditures related to compliance with COVID requirements, a major expense for a lot of companies. And then um, uh, I should also add that group life disability vision and dental insurance payments are expressly listed as part of the payroll costs, which, was, which of course are covered. So along with the basics, the big dollar amount ones, payroll costs, interest on a mortgage, rent, utility payments, you have this whole series of operational expenditures which are also eligible. Because what that means is you may spend the money on those. Then you get to the question of how much of that is forgiven where you'll never have to repay it. That's based again, as this program seems to work, on formulas. That is to say, whatever amount you spend on eligible costs, you can submit eligible expenses, you can submit for forgiveness. However, the total amount you submit for forgiveness, 60% of that amount must have been payroll costs. Let me give you an example. If you had $100,000 in total uh, allow, allowable forgivable costs and you spent every bit of your loan proceeds on that $100,000 and you spent 60,000 of it on payroll, the full amount is forgivable. However, if you only spent 40,000 on payroll, that 40,000 amount would be forgiven and of the remaining $60,000, an amount would be forgiven that would leave your forgivable amount as having been 60% payroll and 40% the rest. I believe that might come to 24,000. My math is correct, but that's the idea of the formula. Everything that you spend that's allowed to be spent on, uh, you can get forgiven uh, provided that 60% of what you're getting forgiven uh, must be go to payroll costs and you get 40% above that for everything else. That's such an important summary. And I, I hope, People listen to it carefully um, uh, in that if done correctly, 100% of the loan is forgiven. Uh, and even if you don't meet the formula for 100% forgiveness, a portion of it is forgiven based, based on a ratio of how much you violated uh, the 60% amount. Yeah. Um, and that's so important for um, real estate 
uh, landlords and owners to encourage tenants to get the loan uh, and to communicate um, what portion and to negotiate with the tenant, let's say, what portion is used for payroll costs and operational costs, including rent. It's also very important for commercial property owners vis-a-vis -vis their lenders, uh, because as Michael said, um, interest payments, not principal, but interest on loans uh, can also be paid through the proceeds of a loan. Um, and for commercial building owners, uh, PPP costs, uh, not PPP, PPE, personal protection um, expenses can be financed through these loans. So there are many expenses that commercial real estate owners have incurred that might be subject to 100% forgiveness if the correct formula is applied. And Michael, if I'm not mistaken, there was a, a clarification in the act about the deductibility of the expenses incurred. Yes, um, the, the expenses incurred, provided they are what we've been calling forgivable or allowed expenses, um, you can, um, you, if you spend them, even if, even if you don't end up with full forgiveness because of the 60% payroll issue, you're, you're fine, you're not in violation. You would have to repay that extra amount that isn't forgiven. Uh, on this loan, which is a very low cost loan, but you can certainly spend it. I, Manny, if I may add to what you're talking about, of particular importance to commercial real estate, landlords, uh, borrowers, and tenants uh, is the fact that while specifically payment of interest on a mortgage obligation and rent are themselves forgivable, one should not lose sight of the fact that your tenant or you, if you're borrowing from a, a lender, you can allocate the appropriate amounts of this PPP loan to payroll, which should free up other income of yours to pay any amounts of rent or interest that go above 40% uh, of the total amount. So you have the ability to maneuver that way. The caveat to that is you must keep very careful records of the cash flow. You must show that the PPP funds were in fact used for the forgiveness amounts you are asking for. So if you want to move it so that 60% of your PPP is used for payroll to free up other funds to pay interest or other real estate related expenses. You have to make sure you put the money into accounts where it goes to pay payroll. You can't after the fact reallocate by book entries where the money went. It's gotta be a prospective effort to, to show the documentation. But if you do that, then you meet the requirements. It's an excellent point. Uh, if you do it right, uh, the dollars you save in one place can be used to pay another expense. And again, for commercial landlords, that's a great negotiating point um, with their tenants. Um, how, how long um, does a borrower have to repay this second draw loan uh, if it is not totally forgiven? And what is the interest rate? It is a 1% interest rate that begins to accrue, I believe it's after two years. And if the loan runs for five years, the um, borrower would not have to pay any principal or interest at all, um, regardless of the time period, if, one of the if it applies for forgiveness within 10 months after the time period in which its forgiveness expenses are being taken runs. For instance, if you chose a 24-week forgiveness period 
to pay your PPP, you're allowed to choose between eight weeks and 24 weeks. If you chose 24 and you got the loan first day of the first month, then um, you would have 24 weeks from then, your period would run out and you would have, that's approximately six months, and you would have 10 months after that, so a total of approximately 16 months before you could even be considered to have to pay the forgiveness or any, any amount back. And you wouldn't have to pay it at all for two years. So really you would have an additional eight months after that. So you have plenty of time to uh, repay this loan. And even if, if it isn't forgiven, the interest rate, if, if, you, if you get interest accruing on the loan after the two years is only 1%. Uh, what's coming through to me, and I imagine to many listeners who are involved in real estate um, is um, that you can't do this on your own. This is not a simple loan application or application of proceeds. You need to bring in your controller uh, and your accountant uh, to make sure that you're properly allocating uh, loan proceeds and determine uh, over what length of time you want to apply the loan proceeds because it'll impact your repayment schedule. That, that's absolutely right. And your point about bringing your controller and your accountant is really important, both in order to set up how you want to allocate the funds into various accounts up front, but also because when you do apply for forgiveness, there's a lot of documentation you have to submit to establish what you spent the money for and how, and how you allocated it. You want to make sure you have the proper professionals working with you at the start. So that's all documented and the records are saved. These loan applications uh, are have to be certified and by by the borrower then they are submitted to the lender the lender reviews them in a minimal fashion and then passes them on to the SBA for the SBA to give ultimate approval so the lender may, may so the lender may seek uh, reimbursement from the SBA when your loan is forgiven that means that the SBA can take a look at this they will uh, we expect given the political climate of this program they will on a random basis, pull up files, look at them very carefully. So it's very important that you uh, that you do what Manny suggested, keep proper documentation, get the advice up front. This is a very complicated program in terms of the nuts and bolts and the specific line item things that must be taken into account. Very important that gets walked through with people who understand these things and can make sure you're setting it up properly. It's never a good thing to um, take out a government uh, rescue or bailout type loan and get it entirely wrong. Doesn't mean there won't be some small mistakes. There always are. But if you're, if you're just ignoring those guidelines, it's not a good thing. On the other hand, if you follow the guidelines properly, follow Manny's advice about getting your experts involved, it really is an opportunity for you to do what Congress wanted the, the program to do, which is to help your business survive this crisis in a, in a meaningful way. Michael, we're recording this uh, podcast in early January. Uh, is it your sense that lenders are geared up for this now? Are they using new applications or are they just recycling the original PPP loan applications? Uh, I think there's a couple of things to say about that. First, in regard to the second uh, loan program, the second, the second PPP loan, um, if you're going for that, on January 6th, SBA issued new, a new interim rule, technically the Treasury issued it, but on behalf of SBA, a new interim rule to discuss both the second program and a second rule to discuss the overall program, the changes made by the, uh, by the Act. For the second loan program, they referenced a second uh, loan application form, 
with an SBA loan form number, which means that's either already in the SBA database or it's about to be. Um, this We're talking today, one day after that guidance came out. I must confess, I've not been able to locate that form yet. That may just mean SBA hasn't posted it yet to its website, but it, will, that, it appears that will be coming, which will be the loan form lenders would use for the second loan. For the first loan, lenders may use the SBA's form or a comparable lender form. Different lenders have been doing different things. I must, I must say, I think most lenders weren't expecting to be able to reopen that first loan channel. Um, the, the statute didn't actually seem to say that directly, according to most commentators, but the rule uh, addressing the statute that was put out on January 6th by SBA seems to make it clear that as we've indicated, Yes, if you've never taken out a, a PPP loan before, you may apply for a first loan. I expect lenders will immediately react to that by using either the SBA form they were previously using or their own comparable form they were using. It, it, they, they already know how to put things through that window, and that should just be turning a switch back on for them. Um, as you can t see from our discussion, uh, Michael is well steeped in this area, and it's a pleasure to be able to talk to someone uh, that has this level of connection and expertise in a government program. Uh, I've introduced uh, Michael to property management companies, brokerage companies, and obviously owners of real estate. Michael, any final thoughts or comments on this program as it may relate generally to businesses? I would just say generally, don't forget that this was set up by Congress to help businesses really address their, their needs in COVID, and particularly to keep their payrolls uh, at a high level so that individual employees and their families don't suffer uh, from the economic fallout from COVID. It's a favored program. Congress in the stimulus bill recently, as Manny discussed, added uh, the new second lien program and a lot more money to it, uh, hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, not, not only for your own sake, but generally for the sake of the economy, this is a very favored program and you should look upon it very positively, I think. If you follow the rules, get some expert advice as you walk through it, it's a great opportunity for you to really help your business and support your business or your, in the case of our landlord, the tenant's business uh, in this real time of need and keep people from suffering needlessly and keep your business going, which after all is the goal we all want for everybody. Thank you very much, uh, Michael, for joining us uh, on this podcast. Uh, and if you have any questions, uh, people that are listening, please uh, feel free to call Michael Flynn at the Buckholzer Law Firm to discuss this. We look forward to uh, connecting with you on a future podcast. Thank you. Thank you.